Der Fußball ist zurück in der zweiten Liga. Bravo, macht Tempo, wartet auf Harte. Herzlang gekommen und jetzt ist es Klos. Also, Arminia Bielefeld. Penny, 2-0. 2-0 für den FC St. Pauli. Diese Flanke, Tor, nächster Treffer. Es heuer, Fernandes mit vorne. Ja klar ist er mit vorne. Kittel mit der Ecke, Pujabalata. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Spider Bundesliga podcast. We are now two match days into our 34-match season. And, well, let's be fair, we still have really no idea how this season is going to end. But what we have seen is some very good football on the pitch. A lot of upsets happened on the weekend. Some games which had just completely copious amounts of dubious defending. Plenty of controversy with the video assistant referee. And much, much more. Joining me as my co-host, my very reliable co-host that is, after celebrating Armenia Bielefeld's first win back in the Bundesliga, Eva Lotte Borla. Eva, welcome back to joining me as the best co-host around. Um, how are you doing? You must be thrilled that Bielefeld finally got a win. Yeah, it uh, has been a good start into the season. <laughs> I'm very happy and a very um, happy good morning from Hanover from me. Lovely. It is good that you made it to Hanover safely. Um, and just a friendly reminder that Bielefeld have won more games in the Bundesliga in 2020. Um, well, equal, but it will probably be more at the end of this weekend than Schalke. So let's move on before I just hit the, uh, well, the disappointment. And let's start with our match day two review. And we're going to start at the Milan Tour. St. Pauli hosted Heidenheim. And on paper, you would have been, and Mr. Thinking that Heidenheim would have taken it to St. Pauli with relative ease, but that's in some regard was the case on the pitch, but on the scoreboard where it matters, it was St. Pauli. 4-2 winners in the end, and at some st- and at one stage they were 4-0 up after 70 minutes. Goals from Daniel Kofi Kirai, who finished his goal with an awesome uh, looking uh, backward somersault flip. Uh, Patrick Schmidt with the own goal, and then virtually a minute into the second half, Yanis uh, Vikov Got his first goal for St. Pauli, as well as Maximilian Ditkin, who came from Wiesbaden at the start of the season, uh, getting on the goals. Heidenheim did score twice in two minutes to make it a little bit difficult for the final 10 minutes when uh, Christian Kulvetter, who scored his first goal from co- coming from Kaiserslautern, Tobias Moore getting the go- the second goal, just to make it a little bit interesting, but... um. Eva, it's uh, Timo Schulz's first win as head coach for St. Pauli. It's a good win for him. And just an impressive result. They were almost Heidenheim-like with their efficiency. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. Um, but, uh, to start from the beginning, I did like how they started off the game. Um, well, it was a bit better than... Um, well, uh, a bit better than against uh, Bochum, although Heidenheim had the better chances uh, with Schnatterer and Schmidt. But uh, Kiri once again scored. Um, he's a very, very good signing for, for St. Pauli, who said last week as well. And um, yeah, as you said, kind of kind of Heidenheim style, although there were some uh, beautiful goals as well from Yanis uh, Wickhoff a distant shot uh, that were went beautifully into the goal. Um, but yeah, at the same time, their defense in those in those two 
minutes or three minutes time was yeah not really good so that's still a point that they have to work on you can't always rely on uh, Kirai to to score up front um but yeah in general you could see that uh, that this time St. Pauli was the more efficient game in the statistics as well you had uh nine to two corners for Heidenheim um well they had more passes they were better in accuracy they had more shots and target as well um and well but on the other hand, the best player for St. Pauli was probably Max Ditkin. We spoke about him against Bochum as well. He seemed to um, really work well in, in the team. He had the most shots, had, had the longest, longest running distance, was the fastest player and won 19 tackles for St. Pauli. So really, really good signing for them as well. And I do like their way of going forward, something that we didn't really see under Yoslukai. Yeah, the almost anti-football that Jos the Boss implemented. It seems long gone. You can easily tell on the pitch that um, the players were enjoying themselves. And as, as the goals continued to rain down upon Heidenheim, it, it just became more evident that having a coach, you know, that clearly understands the club and is probably more of a player's coach, um, it certainly had a positive effect on St. Pauli. Uh, for Heidenheim, I don't recall maybe over the past two seasons, uh, them being so defensively inept. Uh, I think the last time, I think they gave up five to Darmstadt, maybe it was last season or the year before, and that was at home. But yeah, they were very poor defensively, and I know that they, they're missing, uh, well, they miss Timo Beerman, who's obviously at Osnabrück now. Um, you know, Oliver Husing, who'd probably be the next best at centre-back. Uh, he's hurt, He's injured, so... You know, Oliver Stoyro, who was on loan at Prussian Munster um, and uh, Erdogan for a period last season. Um, yeah, he hasn't really gelled well with uh, with Patrick Meinker. And, and defensively, they've been all over the shop. And yeah, they, they were poor defensively. And, you know, they were made to pay from a very efficient and an effective St. Pauli side. So the, the optimism is up for St. Pauli. You know, four points from there from the opening two games, um, uh, you'd be hard-pressed to see many that would be disappointed with the, with the start that they have had. Another team that will join them on four points is the team that they drew against last weekend, which was Valfield Borchum. They took a 1-0 win over Karlsruhe at the Vild Park Stadion, and it was a glorious finish by Simon Sola. Score his second goal of the campaign. Beautiful chip over Marius Gersbeck, and... Uh, that was the only goal of the game, although the game got very interesting uh, when uh, Garrett Holtman was sent off for a second bookable offence. Um, Eva, I'm going to get you to jump in straight away here. From the incident that I saw, which was shown in, in, in parts of some of the highlights packages, Lucas Froda looked to have ran into Garrett Holtman and Holtman got a second yellow, which made no sense to me. And it still doesn't make sense to me. Can you make sense of that situation? Because it seemed very bizarre. So I think um, Holtman wasn't booked until he was substituted. And well, we have that rule since last season that you have to exit the yeah the pitch on the nearest side. And he chose like he was on the other side of the pitch and chose to walk, take time out of the clock and walk towards the other side. 
So Winkman told him, gave him the yellow card for yeah, getting some some time out of from the clock. And then he he got the yellow card, but didn't say, okay, I'm going to he was just like three steps in. But then continued to walk this path. And I think then it's when um Fröde kinda he they bump into into each other, then Fröder gets the yellow card for that. But at the same time, Winkmann is like, well, I just told you you're supposed to take the other way out. Um, you didn't. And then you even like don't get why I'm angry at you. I thought it's a bit harsh to give the first yellow card. Mm. But on the other hand, when I know as a player that the the referee doesn't really like me taking time out of off the clock... I should not continue walking down that road, literally. Um, and, well, I don't think uh, it would have been a red card for Frude because then we would see, well, it's not really like referees nowadays handle those situations anymore. Um, but I know why some people were irritated by the fact I didn't see it at first as well because I didn't see the first yellow card. Um it's a bit unlucky, but at the same time, a bit stupid by by Holtmann as well, in my opinion. Uh, I thought some Bochum fans were arguing in the same direction. Um, but yeah, but on the pitch, um, <laughs> Karlsruhe couldn't really make anything out of that. They they had 17 shots that did not went directly at the goal, but at least near at that um, and didn't couldn't really make something out of that. Who I really liked for, for Karlsruhe was uh, the 20-year-old Dominic Korta. I think just a couple of minutes before full-time. Um, they He had some, showed some beautiful football and something like some uh, some good technique on the ball. So, yeah, um, he might be a good player going forward for Karlsruhe. Agreed. One thing that I, do, I did see that seemed very interesting statistic wise was the expected goals for Kalsra which was 4.65 goals I mean I know Borkham at the best of times can have some very agricultural defending but as we've seen with Lampropoulos and Leitch being there we did see a bit of Bella Kochap as well um, that was a bizarre statistical number that um, the Amazon who do the uh, some of the uh, in-depth statistics for the Bundesliga and, and on, on the odd occasion that's fighting Bundesliga. That felt like a very um, peculiar number that they went with. Um, a good performance, though, for Borkham. They, they did very well, in especially in the final 20-odd minutes where um, they were, in fact, um, just basically defending for, the, for their lives. And, yep, four points after two games. Very much in a good position. Karlsruhe, one of two sides yet to score. They've played two very good sides, so I don't think there's not there's no need to panic as one team has done. But we'll talk about them in a moment's time. Uh, our last Group One game brings us to the Bremerbrucker. Osnabrück took on Hanover, a uh, bit of a lower Saxony derby, not the big one, but a bit of regional pride going in there. And it was Osnabrück who took the three points in this game. A brace from Christian Santos, scored a penalty, and then getting the second just after halftime from a set piece. Marvin Duksch getting himself a goal um, in stoppage time, but it was only a consolation goal. 
Great win for Osnabrück. It's, it's Marco Grutz's first win as head coach after joining from Bremen. We spoke about him uh, in the preview show as well as in the match day one review. Very good result for Osnabrück. And, and they've taken a few scalps as they did last season at the Bremen Brucker. Um, and even with a, with a small crowd in the stadium, uh, it, it shows that this uh, this ground has a, a little bit of a, almost like a some sort of superhuman power. They, they, they were very good, Osnabrück, and well worthy of the, the three points. Yeah, and you could see that they really took on the fight uh, in in that game, although they had, uh, well, even something like half of the amount of passes throughout the game, not really good accuracy. Um, they, for example, Aminido won 22 tackles in that game. Uh, they, they really, Christian Santos converted two out of his three sh- shots into that goal. Uh, into those two goals and you could really see that with the chances they had they really they used them very well and um, against the side that Hanover still is that they always are candidates for promotion it's a huge huge win for them uh, for Korte as well because some people were wondering if he can well, kind of follow into Daniel Tune's footsteps and I think you could see in that that game that went very well and um, yeah, heads off to them. Very good performance by them. Um, always thought they were that that goal in last minute was a bit unlucky, but uh, throughout the game, the, in 90 minutes at least, they were very concentrated in what they were doing. So I really liked the performance, and I think um, with people like Sebastian Kiag, they've uh, got players going forward. Yeah, they have recruited relatively well. They've brought in experienced players. Um, also having Timo Biermann, we mentioned him before for Heidenheim, but what? What an asset he is for the the Osnabrück defence. Clearly, um, you know, brings that extra bit of quality. He's an Osnabrück boy himself. Um, he was very good in the game, and and yeah, kudos to Osnabrück. A very impressive win. Hanover, yeah, they made a, too many mistakes. You know, the penalty was avoidable, and the second goal off the set piece, some really poor man marking, uh, leading to Santos to head in. What's his third goal of the season? He has scored all three of Osnabrück's goals, and he's one of a couple of players who have done that for their clubs as well. Let's take our first break, and on the other side, we are going to talk about last night's game, the seven-goal thriller between Paderborn and Hamburg. Our Group 2 game starts from the game that was last night. Of course, if you're listening to this podcast on... Any other day but Tuesday, the Monday night game, Paderborn and Hamburg. And this game was unbelievably entertaining. Uh, There was defensive calamities. There were goals. Um, Yeah, it was was an incredible Monday night game. But it was Hamburg who took the points. 4-3 winners in the end. Uh, It means that Daniel Thune's side are the only team in the side of Bundesliga to have won both games uh, to start the season uh, for 2021. Matt Alvinsheimer with an excellent goal to open the scoring. Simon Terodde on 24 minutes made it two. And then Paderborn went bang, bang, bang. Three goals in the space of about four to five minutes. Uh, Dennis Sabeni, who uh, scored his first... Uh, he scored from the spot. And then Chris Afurik. He scored twice in two minutes. His second goal was absolute quality. So going into the break, 3-2, it looked good for Paderborn. But Simon Taroda, yep, 
He got the salute out, and not only was it a worthy salute, but it's his 122nd goal, which means now he is the all-time leader uh, for goals scored in the Spider Bundesliga. An absolute accomplishment of the highest order. Aaron Hunt made it 4-3, but um, Eva, before we talk about the rest of the game, we have to talk about Toronto. It would be a miss for us to not talk about him. What a player... He's done it at five different clubs in the Spider Bundesliga, and now he sits atop of the podium as the leading all-time goal scorer of the Spider Bundesliga. What an accomplishment that is! Yeah, and you once more get the feeling that he isn't really um, fit to play Bundesliga, but the Zweite Liga, um, and he always like he's that typical striker that stands there when you need him um although i have to say really really good uh co-working by him and vinsheimer before the leveling goal i think um vinsheimer really um to, to point him out here he re- really evolved um from his time in, uh, in bochum really is a huge asset for for them now but yeah of course um in any zweite bundesliga side can be lucky do you have uh, zeman terrode in in their um yeah in their team in general he he's just a very very good player i'm just very lucky i'm not playing the same league as him anymore <laughs> but um yeah very uh, very good performance by him once again although i kind of have the feeling that he is like what puyampalo was last year so they really depend on him in a way that uh, a team like KSV shouldn't um and I don't know if it, if you know what I mean, that it's just in general, they always have people that they think, okay, well, at least we, there is always someone who kind of rights our wrongs, uh, which in this case was uh, Klaus Jazula helping his former teammates a bit too much <laughs> in, in, in two scenes. Um, but yeah, in, in general, he's just a very, very good player for the, especially in the Bundesliga, yeah. Absolutely. Five different clubs he's done that. Union, Bochum, Köln and Stuttgart, now Hamburg. This would be his third consecutive promotion if he can get it with Hamburg. Really an incredible player at the Spider Bundesliga level and we are so fortunate that we get to see him week in, week out. Also doesn't seem like he's 100% fit either. He did play about 80, 88 minutes. Uh, he only played 70 the week before. Still getting his uh, legs under him, but uh, yeah dangerous times uh we should probably talk about paderborn they well it's almost as if they haven't left because they are defensively well it wasn't great and the goals some of the goals they gave up were well the one was a penalty i mean toronto scored both his goals basically inside the six yard box and the vinsheimer goal well couldn't really stop that that was just an awesome goal but uh yep uh, it means that they've conceded five goals this season it's, it's a worry. We knew this, this was going to be the case, but yeah, they, their worry is that they can't... Um, yeah, they, they're going to concede a lot of goals. We've mentioned this in the preview, and we'll probably reiterate this throughout the season. They're going to score goals as they, they scored three against Hamburg, but uh, yeah, they're going to give up plenty of goals. Um, either there was one incident kind of off the pitch that caught your eye, caught my eye, caught a lot of people's eye, uh, and it featured... Daniel Tune and, and Marcel Correa, what what happened there? Uh, so you can see that on the right side, of course, uh, Correa's side, he plays a pass, what he thinks is 
is a teammate of his, but it's actually Daniel Tune <laughs> because he was dressed in dark colors, like he wore like Adidas grayish uh, pants and then then a dark black um, yeah sweater. And <laughs> Korea thought it's it's his teammate, uh, but it wasn't. So after that, Daniel Tune was asked by a referee, um, I think it was Winkman, when I'm not completely wrong here, um, to please uh, put on some other clothes and he just pulled over a brighter jacket. <laughs> so that was basically my highlight. And, and on the other hand, I don't know what's wrong with Korea in that point because he still doesn't look like a teammate of his. <laughs> but that um, that was a very funny scene. And um, go watch it in the highlights. It, it looks a bit ridiculous in that moment. <laughs> He's not even on the pitch. He's on the side. He's on the touchline. How does... How can you confuse someone? Like, come, come on, come on! He's not even you on get the. Some, he's not even on the yeah. pitch. <laughs> you get some Tiago vibes when he <laughs> passed it to the uh, passed to the um, who was Santa Claus on the advertising <laughs> bench. That was that was a highlight as well. Well, Zweite Bundesliga never gets um gets I don't know gets boring. <laughs> even that game didn't need any any highlights to brighten it up but yeah as you've mentioned it was a, a Paderborn game like the old days what we're in for although uh just one one to point out is actually Führig he was in involved in all three uh Paderborn goals he was the one getting or the, the one that was fouled before the penalty um very similar penalties on both sides it's just very Stupid defending, I think, on the one side by Leibold, on the other side by Vasiliadis. And so two penalties that wouldn't really have been necessary. Uh, just uh, one last take on the six points that you've mentioned. Doesn't mean a lot uh, in 2020. It was KSC and Auer who had six points after two games. 2019, it was St. Pauli. 2018, Nürnberg, Union and Bielefeld. And um, we all know how that ended, so... <laughs> Only Nuremberg, actually, I think although in 2018, that was the year Nuremberg got promoted, when I'm not wrong. And, um, well, Union no, didn't get promoted in that year, but very weird. Um, not does not say a lot about um, yeah, how how the season might end, as well as uh, if you compare it to the Bundesliga, it doesn't mean a lot if uh, Bayern is not mm. head of the league from match day one to the 34. Uh, so, people... Calm down. Exactly. At least we can we can't predict what will happen here. We can predict what's going to happen up there. Bayern are going to win the title. Sorry to spoil it, but that's what it is. Stick with us. We'll we'll keep you posted on the league that has a lot more going for it, which is uh is which is we should go to our next game after Hamburg provided so much entertainment. Uh, we'll go to our Erzgebirge. Our hosted Greuthefurt. The goals came early in this game. It ended one all. Uh, Sebastian Ernst. He scored his second goal of the season um, for Furt. He has got both their goals this, this campaign. And then Florian Kruger bungled home the equaliser on 23 minutes. Uh, he has now been involved in three of the four goals that our have scored. This game was quite even. Uh, there was a serious incident in this game as well. Merchant Mavrai was, well, concussed, potentially knocked out even uh, after an incident with Sasha Boykert. Hope he's okay. It meant that Oda Rahamini Barry got the 
got to uh, make his Spider Bundesliga debut. It was quite an even game, either. There wasn't really a lot we could make out of it. Um, but uh, I guess either side would, would probably would be relatively happy with the point each. Yeah, as you've mentioned, don't know what to make out of this game in, in terms of who should have won. Um, maybe if you'd had the better chances, um, our at some point just focused on yeah, staying in the game. They had 14 to 6 fouls. Um, yeah, relied everything kind of on uh, Florian Krüger with who has the who had the most shots for for our with three, still not a lot. Um, but yeah, I think in the end it, it was a deserved a deserved draw for both sides. Although Fürth might might be the the sadder side to not take all three points. Um, but yeah, in in general, for both teams, uh, the the players scored that had the most shots, um, as mentioned before. Krüger for our Sebastian Ernst with equally three shots for Fürth. Um So you could kind of see that the whole offensive play was lying on those two backs. Um, and that's not really surprising in the end. As you've mentioned, um, well, all, all well for, for Mavrai, hopefully he, I think, first... Um, statement said that he had has a really bad concussion, but uh, he's supposed not supposed to play next week. Might be playing two weeks again. Um, is a bit weird because we don't really have a concussion protocol in football on the pitch as well as off the pitch. Um, so there are not really rules for that how to proceed there. But um, yeah, he's not the youngest anymore, so hopefully he can get back on his feet. Fingers crossed. I can tell you, although this is a completely different sport um, and probably is a lot closer to me anyway, which is in the AFL, if a player has been diagnosed with concussion symptoms, uh, they are forced off the field and they take a concussion protocol test for 20 minutes. If the player is not deemed fit to play, then they don't play. Then what happens is the situation generally gets monitored over the week. And then, probably closer to when the teams are selected, unlike in, um, in in football, where you know the the, the starting eleven and then the bench are, are generally named an hour before kickoff, but they take the squad. In the AFL, the teams are announced a day or two before the game is played. Um, so they they generally get about a week before deciding. I would be surprised if Maverick does play. It was a pretty significant hit. Um, to, to, to the head area um, but yeah we hope he is well and it will be interesting to see if he does get up for the game but I I, I would be cautious because uh, concussion there needs to be a lot more research especially within the football space um, worldwide about concussions it's it's a serious thing and, and it's something that we need to continue to, to research and understand and, and you know ensure that player safety is paramount in these situations our last Group 2 game was in Dusseldorf. Fortuna hosted Würzburger Kickers. This game was very, very close until the end. And it was David Kovnaki, the Polish striker who hadn't scored since match day 33 the 2018-19 season against Borussia Dortmund. He got his first goal in a long, long time. He was as relieved as anyone would be when they haven't scored for a long, long time. But it was the match winner it almost, and I mean almost, turned on its head when Andre Hoffman brought down, um, was it five feet in the area, 
Um, and Robert Herman had the penalty to take. Of course, he, he had joined just from hour a couple of weeks ago. But unfortunately, no dice for him. An absolutely fantastic penalty save from Florian Kastenmeier, ensuring that all three points, and hopefully for him, a case of alt, because um, he was brilliant, as was Florian, uh, sorry, Fabian Giefer. But an important three points um, for Dusseldorf. But before we get onto Dusseldorf, Eva, before we started recording, uh, we saw that Würzburger kickers have lost their mind, uh, all kinds of their mind, because uh, they shocked uh, they shocked everyone by sacking uh, Mikael Schieler, um, and to be replaced by Marco Antwerpen, who was ceremoniously not, re- you know, he wasn't renewed in his contract to take Eintracht Braunschweig to the Zweite Bundesliga, where they hired Daniel Meyer. Um, this makes absolutely no sense, considering the three teams they've played prior, like, so they played Hanover in the Cup, they lost 3-2. They, they, were, they were relatively poor against Auer. And Eva, as we discussed off-air, they were a genuine chance of getting a point in this game, and they were probably a bit unlucky not to do so. so this, set, this, this just makes no sense, the timing, and wouldn't you want Antwerpen to start in pre-season, not now? Yeah, um, when I saw that and I sent it to you, I was very, very surprised because, of course, we saw some um, managers getting sacked this after the second match day in the Bundesliga. And if you compare it, I mean, in the Bundesliga, you have one coach that didn't win um, in in 18 games. The other one kind of mixed up the whole team mentality and... Um, then you have Sheila, who has brought up a team that wasn't really what everyone really surprised that they went up. And uh, then, okay, that, that game against our, as mentioned last week, as you've just mentioned, um, wasn't really good. But then to lose against a team that just got relegated from the Bundesliga, who a lot of people, including me, think will go up this season again, Um and as you've mentioned, they had good chances. Uh, of course, there are always yeah, places to, um, and, and yeah, in general, things to in yeah, just make better and just uh, take a special look. But I mean, they're, they've just been promoted. And my thing is that Marco and Werpen has no Zweite Bundesliga experience whatsoever. So if I think, okay, Sorry, um, Sheila, we don't really think you're fit for this job. First of all, you might see this preseason. You might have those thoughts preseason. Don't get him after two days, uh, two match days, sorry. Which is, I mean, they kind of posted Sheila is fired, new head coaches, Marco and Werpen. I thought it's not a really nice way to, yeah, to just go along with with the coach that has no experience in the league uh, just tries his best with um with the squad that isn't the best um and well they they weren't that bad in that in this game and those aren't the games you potentially think they sh- should win there are other games against teams that we and and other people think that are more in in the lower part of the table so can't really wrap my head around it I think the only 
person who knows the answer to it is probably Felix Magath, and I'm not even trying to <laughs> try to uh, trying to understand what he does. Um, so yeah, really weird. Sorry for uh, for that monologue here, but I was just very very surprised. Uh, we are all surprised. It is just it doesn't make any sense, and we know that in recent years, anything that Felix Magath does doesn't make any sense. <laughs> It's just, it is peculiar, it is bizarre. Um, we hope that uh, Mikhail Sheila does find another job. I'm sure he will. He's a more than capable manager, especially at Dritter League level, he's proved it. Um, but yeah, that just, this whole thing doesn't make sense. Let's actually get back to the game because um, Dusseldorf did, um, did enough. But one player you've picked out is the man from down under, my neck of the woods. Actually born in Adelaide, Australia, Brandon Barillo. Uh, he looked very lively again, although he's not playing the full ninety. But you know, he's he seems to be pro- providing a lot of energy out wide. Yeah, I thought that last week against Hasfau already that he was one of the best players. Um, he wasn't really lucky at Freiburg. Um, didn't really seem ready for the Bundesliga yet, but in the Zweite Liga, I thought he's a very good signing for for Tuna. He had the first chances. Uh, within within like three minutes into into the game, um, was just a bit unlucky because uh, Fabian Giefer in in goal was was quite good as well. Um, but yeah, he, in general, well, there are some points that are that well, he for example, just a couple of minutes after he had those chances, he had a very stupid foul against one of the 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 kickers players so maybe that's something he he has to improve a bit but um i i really like him for fortuna i think he's a really good signing as well as uh florian hardheads actually he was um in in terms of running distance and um yeah fastest player he he was number one for fortuna um so he seemed to be a good signing for them as well and yeah what always is is good for the opponents if it's uh, as when Ruven Hannigs doesn't score he had four shots uh, for Fortuna wasn't accurate enough which shows um that the defending was actually quite good by by the kickers so yeah still can't wrap my head around it but um yeah, it's going to be very tough for the kickers on the weekend because now they only have half a week to to train with the new coach. Um, isn't really helping, especially because we have um, an international break coming to us after match day three. So that would have probably been been a better time if you're not completely happy with um, with your coach. But yeah. Yeah. We will see. <laughs> we will. Also, you said something nice about Florian Hartertz. I mean, it must be because he's not playing for Bielefeld. It just must be. Well, I I can see when players are improving. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, it's a cheap one by me. But you did mention Fabian Giefer, and He's someone I wanted to quickly talk about before we get to the next break. We were a bit unsure about him as a signing. Has experience and... He was very, very good, and he frustrated the hell out of Ruben Hennings, who you mentioned before. Um, and he will be an asset. He, he seems like he'll be an asset for them, especially to have you know it's an experience head between the sticks. And yeah, he he probably made the scoreline maybe a little bit close, but um, yeah, fingers crossed. 
I guess for him that he continues to play because I know he's had a lot of injury. Uh, his time at Schalke was destroyed by injury. He was at Bristol City for a bit. Bad, bad form. Went to Augsburg. Bad form. And yeah, he's just it's just good to see him between between the goal because he has shown previously, I get, you know, just sort of the, the prime example that he's more than capable between the sticks. Our final break is about to happen in just a moment. Uh, we've got three more games to talk about. We're going to start with Darmstadt's game against Jan Regensburg. Our Group 3 helpings may not have seen much in the way of goals, but what we did see is some pretty entertaining football, and in particular, one for the goalkeepers union. There was some really great goalkeeping in this in all three games. Alexander Meyer for Jan Regensborg was one of those keepers who had a standout performance as he helped Regensborg get a point in Darmstadt. And it wasn't for the want of trying from Darmstadt, who had numerous opportunities to score. But Meyer was in tip-top form. And even Regensborg almost had the chance to steal all three points when Andre Becker, their signing from the regular Liga, almost beat Marcel Schoen, but he missed his shot wide of the goal. Um, Eva, you know, the expected goals for this game, 2.15 for Darmstadt, 2.46 for Jan Regensborg. Didn't live up to the number, but um, another good point for Jan. They've shown that they've shown a lot of fight in the two games they've played against uh, Nuremberg and now Darmstadt. Some positive signs for them, but I guess for Darmstadt, it has not been the start of the season that they would have been hoping for. Yeah, especially uh, they will probably decide um, they could have taken more out of this game. As you've mentioned, um, they couldn't beat Alexander Meyer, but I had six uh, shots on goal. They had kind of double the amount of passes, but uh, the pass accuracy for both sides weren't really good. So at least for Darmstadt, it was 77%. For Jan Regensburg, it was only 64%. So it's probably the worst um, for the whole match day. Um, they kind of... So Jan, one of the, the ways to uh, work against Darmstadt was... Um, fouling them not in a bad manner but just to always um yeah not to let them be too many people in their own half and yeah in general the Darmstadt is probably um would have been the side taking all three points um for Jan Regensburg the the best player was probably Khan Kaliskana uh, he had three sh- shots on goal, which were on or at least three sh- shots in a total for three shots on goal for Regensburg. Uh, he was the fastest player and he won the most tackles. Um, so he's probably one to look out. But I'm uh, going to stick with my opinion that it's going to be a tough season for Regensburg. Of course, it's not this season. Markus Anfang uh, had imagined for, or started the season, Markus Anfang had imagined for Darmstadt either, but I still, like this this pass accuracy, even the, the sides that were promoted had more, and that's something you really have to look out um, against teams that are much more stronger in pressing and um that's probably a point Ringsburg have to have to work on. Yep, indeed. But they what they do well, and this has probably been a sign of them for the last few seasons in the Spider Bundesliga, is the, this workmanlike mentality. They work for each other. 
um, and 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 you know they they just continuous you know they're not not down until they're beaten although there are exceptions to that uh, the Bielefeld result last season was probably one of those where they kind of lied down after about three goals but um, yeah no they, they've worked very hard to keep that clean sheet and and you know Alexander Meyer played a big part in that but uh, yeah Darmstadt it's an interesting time for them off the pitch as well there's been rumblings that Serdar Dursen might be leaving for Derby County uh, the initial bid had been rejected but Derby are still going back to the table um, all I know is that Darmstadt are very much looking for a striker I'm not sure who they're looking at um, in particular, but there are probably a number of strikers who could fit the Anfang system. He has a type. You look at the likes of Jean Cordoba and Marvin Dux, who have played his system and succeeded. Someone in that kind of physical but quick and can get a lot of shots on goal. That's the kind of striker they'll be looking for. Let's move on to Braunschweig. Uh, they played Holstein Kiel. This game was also 0-0. It's a relatively open game. Both teams had double digits in the shot category, um, but neither team could break the deadlock. Not much to say about this game. There was an incident on 63 minutes, Eva, that uh, caught your eye um, that maybe Branch Fog should have had a penalty. Yeah, I thought that uh, Kobylanski was fouled in the box. Um, he goes down a bit easy. Um, that's why some I, I read it in Kika. They thought that's probably the reason why it wasn't checked. But for me, it's still a foul. So it's not just some some pushing. But I think he um, there is a contact uh, in, the, in the foot area, and for me, that would have been a penalty. A bit weird that the the VAR didn't check it. Um, at least, like, if you're not sure about it, ask the referee on the pitch to review it. Um, but I think you uh, there was some uh, tendency from from both sides to score an own goal, which I think you had two or three scenes in the whole game. Um, but yeah, I think in the in the end, it's a better result for for Braunschweig than it was for Kiel. Um, they have the better chances in this game. Quite interesting uh, statistics is actually that Finn Bartels was their fastest player with uh, 33 point uh, kilometers per hour as long as him having the longest running distance with uh, 10.4 kilometers in that game, which is for his age, uh, not to be rude, but it's a lot and kind of sheds a light on that game. Um, Fabian Riese was uh, was a good player for them as well, and yeah, for for Eintracht Braunschweig, unsurprisingly, uh, Martin Kobielanski was uh, their best players with um, five shots uh, on and off target. I think um, yeah, he he would have made the dis uh, difference in that game, but as mentioned, deserved draw for me. Yeah, I know one thing with Kobielanski, he knows how to pepper the goal. Um, but uh, Ioannis Gelios, who had to get the start because Thomas Dina was unavailable, uh, he was pretty solid. Uh, we know that the goalkeeping situation at Kiel is very fragile, um, but he was he was good. He was good for them. Felix Dornabush also good for Braunschweig. Points all shared, probably the fairest result, although I think the better chances created were for, from Braunschweig. Um, but yeah, all square for them. Points are shared. Uh, not in the last game, though. Nuremberg and Sandhausen. This game ended 1-0 to Nuremberg. And it has to be said 
that a particular Martin Freisel, who, if we had a thing for man of the match or man of the match day, he would easily be mine. 11 saves in the game. And he was an absolute rock. And the only reason why San Helsen were even remotely close to being in the game. Um, and eventually, his resolute defiance uh, came to an end on 77 minutes when Lucas Moore headed in off the set piece of Ioannis Geis to give Nuremberg and Robert Klaus his first win as head coach. An important win for Nuremberg. Um, because we know of the struggles they had. They could have easily won this game 6-0, but if it wasn't for the goalkeeping of Martin Freisel. Yeah, especially I think um, Nikola Dovodan was really happy uh, with that. I think he, him alone, he had like five shots on target. Um, uh, yeah, so I think they Zandhausen can think their goalkeeper that wasn't a completely a complete shit show, not to be rude here, but um, they weren't really good. Um, Diego Contento was probably one of their best players in terms of getting, should have gotten a goal or would have been a um, person to get a goal. Um, but uh, speaking of Nicola Davidan, I think this probably the season might be better um, in the whole Nuremberg team, we were very disappointed with his how the way he was integrated or not integrated into the Nuremberg team last season because he was such a good player for Heidenheim. Um, might have been might come from Robert Klaus as well, who's a very young coach. Maybe has different ways of yeah getting to the players, and I think you could see that the thing like the the minutes I saw from Nuremberg in this season way better than everything I saw last year for me personally, just the way they play um, way, way better. And um, yeah, in general was just less from Sandhausen. I mean, they had like, as you've mentioned, like six sh shots on and off target. Um, they only played 195 passes throughout the game, which other like, in comparison, Nuremberg played 341, so not a lot. Um, and they worry me a bit um, this this season. Do not show the dominance, even if they were aren't supposed to, but don't show the dom dominance they they showed last year. And even this this feeling that they could always come back, I didn't see that in that game. But yeah, and just one uh, quick note, um, I listened and watched the highlights and there was a very weird song in, in New York at the end and I thought for a minute I'm in like an Titanic museum theme song world. It sounded very weird. <laughs> yeah, it, it was almost like the song was the, the sign of a relief of, okay, we've won a game and we dominated the game and um, yeah it was a good performance and it's probably a sign of the way that they want to play which is to dominate teams very Nagelsmann-esque of course Klaus was um, an assistant co coach at um, RB Leipzig before taking the job in Nuremberg and yeah they were very impressive they should have probably scored more but they ran into a goalkeeper who was absolutely on fire and eventually eventually they got the goal and a well-deserved win for them what it means is it's really tight at the top, but it is Hamburg after two match days that holds the mantle of 
top spot in the Spider Bundesliga. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Spider Bundesliga podcast. Thank you to Eva, of course, to being for being my wonderful co-host. And until next week, we will be back to review match day three. We hope you have an enjoyable weekend. Goodbye.